visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thanks so much for joining us today. Up ahead this hour, we'll take you over to Hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight. But we're going to start off today with a new episode of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, August 20th. I'm John Van Trieste and joining me here in the studio today is Catherine Wei. Hello. In just a moment, we'll be telling you why Taiwan isn't just super, but we will soon be super aged. Then, uh, can't be bothered to walk down the stairs to your nearest convenience store? Well, we'll be telling you why, if you're in Taiwan, you might soon be in luck. And it's not quite haute couture, but Taiwanese masks are about to get a lot more fashionable, and we'll be telling you why in just a minute. Please stick around. Okay, well, in Taiwan, we love to think of ourselves as being very super, but pretty soon we're going to be super in a way that maybe none of us quite wanted. Uh, what does it mean to be super aged? Uh, so here in, Ta well, here in Taiwan, um, if you're over 65 years old, you are considered the elderly. And soon there will be one person out of every five people here that will be over 65 years old. Wow. That will make us a super old, no, super aged nation. Hmm. What if they just like redefined elderly? Like, you know how the retirement age keeps going up? Right. <laughs> like everyone, like, well, we can push it off a few more years. Maybe, yeah. I My mom definitely wants that. Like, every time <laughs> the news says, oh, this old lady got, like, something happened to an old lady and the age comes out and she's my mom's age or younger. And she's like, that that is not an old lady. I am not an old lady. <laughs> oh, my. So, uh, of course, uh, a lot of this is to do with a world-class low birth rate you might say uh yeah again it's not always great to be superlative is it <laughs> not in this case no and this is going to happen in five years okay so we have five years to turn the demographic clock around um do they think uh they know what else is maybe causing this low birth rate what's behind all this wages are not as high as people want them to be and that doesn't correspond with the rising prices in housing and just in everyday living costs mm. so people don't want and maybe with the climate and everything like you don't want kids in the current situation the world is in sure sure i mean 2020 definitely i would i would i would put it off but uh you know <laughs> um wait for some saner year to come around sure but uh you know um I have to agree, though, because uh, a friend told me that his dad found an old pay slip. You know how sometimes you lose those things, like, but not between couch cushions, but, you know, something like that in a drawer. <laughs> uh -huh. And it was from, like, the late 80s when Taiwan's Ooh. economy was booming. And uh, you realize that his salary hasn't gone up since then at all. It was a very no. rude awakening. Um, and meanwhile, yeah, uh, housing prices, if you want to buy, I should say, if you want to rent, it is quite reasonable. But uh, It is. It is. I've decided that I'm just going to rent until I die. Yeah. They'll have to move <laughs> me out <laughs> physically. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, it is worrying, though, because, for instance, our our great health care system mm -hmm. and, and pretty much everything else that we have here depends on taxpayers like you and me. So, yeah. And I'm an only child. So, oh, man. Yeah, it is. Extra yeah. responsibility there. 
Oh boy. Well, uh, Food Panda Taiwan, which is uh, one of the biggest food delivery services here, scooter back delivery services, we should say, uh, they've announced that they're going to work with 7-Eleven, and uh, that's the latest in like a chain of agreements with different convenience store groups, uh, including OK Mart, High Life, and Family Mart, that are going to all be Food Panda partners now. So they got all the big wow. ones, all the big four. And uh, so... The idea is to make sure that you can get convenience store stuff delivered to you. I mean, this is Taiwan is a land in which it is very possible, not unlikely, to mm-hmm. see four different convenience stores on each corner of a intersection. It's not uncommon yeah, at all. Yeah, there's three Seven Elevens within a two minute walk from where I live. I <laughs> well, and that's just I have at least three. Yes, and I keep discovering like new secret ones and hidden alleys that I mm-hmm. hadn't gone down before. Like if I sometimes I just wander and I'm like, oh, there's a Seven Eleven here. Oh, I didn't know that. And we're taking convenience to different levels. And I'm serious. We do shop around though. If if the Family Mart near me doesn't have what I want, I I, I will walk to the next one down to yes. see if it has it. Because how much mm-hmm. they run out of stuff? Now you can just have it delivered, which takes our love of convenience to a whole new level. Um, it doesn't look like everything is offered. So mm, it's, no? it's slow beginnings. It looks like, it also looks geographically limited. Around 500 outlets in just New Taipei and New Taipei will, oh, be, too bad. will be doing taking part in this. And it's only going to be 200 products. So it is, you know, a, a wide range of products, microwavable meals. No word mm-hmm. if they'll microwave it for you like they usually do there. Um, mm. Or you may have to do it yourself, but there's rice balls, pastries, and beverages. Also fresh brewed coffee, which is, I think, oh. what I mostly go to convenience stores for. Um, That's not too bad, but I feel like they should offer this in other counties. Like Taipei and New Taipei is definitely well, worth it. you got to trial it first. got to do a trial true. one. Make sure there's demand, right? And, yeah. um, and And I mean, with the added delivery cost, I really could just get out of bed and walk down the I know, flights of stairs. Exactly. To, this is... I mean, they are, a lot of us live, in some cases, quite literally above them, depending on where you are. Exactly. Um, some buildings have them on the first floor, the ground floor. So, mm-hmm. um, Have you seen Wally? you know, when they're like... All in, floating around, uh, floated. In extremely in their, obese, yeah. Yeah, in their floating... Ch- yeah, that's kind of what we're turning into here, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, with these delivery services, you can't get a, a, a beer, though. They're not allowed to do that. Oh, which is the other that, thing that makes sense. Well, we, they, they're of. afraid of like underage yeah. kids because they don't know who's ordering it. Because Food Panda is very popular among high school students. Like yeah. they get lunches delivered. And, and I mean, they, they 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 will accept credit cards, but who knows whose credit card? I mean, you know what I mean? You yeah. don't know who the end yeah. user really is. So still got to be careful. There are some restrictions on mm-hmm. that. Um, but between 8 p.m. and midnight, we go snack crazy. Apparently that's like... Because the eateries have largely closed, not all of them. Mm-hmm. So that's where people head out to. Um, Convenience stores. Uh, it looks like... Uh, so do you know what some of the, the three most ordered items are so far? Because like I said, 7-Eleven oh, is the latest started? one. Well, I said 7-Eleven is the latest one, which means they've completed. They've cornered the market now. So... Uh, but the other three have already been working uh-huh. with them. It looks like... It doesn't say for how long. Um, wow. I did not know this. So what are the three most ordered items, do you think? It's just microwavable food and other stuff. That's is... emerging. That's an emerging oh, market. Oh, okay. Um, and they got to keep that refrigerated too. They might they need some that... cold pouches. <laughs> Gosh, do people order instant noodles? Is that no? Um, coffee. Surprisingly, not. Although that seems to be maybe because it's maybe a newer thing. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um. Okay. I'll tell you. Uh. Well, they call it braised eggs here, but what they're referring <gasps> to is tea eggs, uh-huh. which are hard-boiled eggs with the shells deliberately cracked. And they are soaked in a bath of 
a very uh, pleasant smelling tea. I'm not sure what kind of tea it is, but uh, they, each brand actually seems to have its own secret recipe. Like I think they add some maybe ar- aromatic like spices mm-hmm. and things to the mix. They do. And it soaks in there and it steep, seeps in through the cracks that they've made in the shell. So you get a very nice, it's almost like an Easter egg, but hard boiled. Yes. There's <laughs> like little <laughs> lines. Uh, anyway, it's, it, it takes on the flavor of tea. Okay, the second one is fresh milk and the third is potato chips. So... <laughs> Um, wow which we have no shortage of actually yeah we have no shortage of and actually even like the foreign brands like the american ones Mm -hmm. we have better flavors have to be honest we do we have new flavors come out every couple weeks too things that would not sell in foreign markets no people here will try anything like beef noodle soup flavors yeah for Mm. people who like to experiment with that sort of thing taiwan's a great market lazy yeah, I Potato know. Potato chips. I know, I know. I get it if this is like Dauphin, you know. Oh, if you're in the middle of nowhere, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, fine. You but. may have to hop on a scooter in those places to get to a convenience store. That's probably it's a bit why. Of a further journey. There was, there's a family mart outside my place, and there was a bunch of um, food panel people just squatting in front. That's probably that what they were waiting that for. That must be what it was. Mm. I don't know. Um,. But yeah, I mean, we're, we love our food delivery services. We didn't end up having to do a lockdown, but people were afraid we were. And so <laughs> it says that, uh, well, people didn't know what was going on. It said we haven't had new domestic cases, but mm-hmm. who knows back then. Uh, and so they did like a little study, this uh, consulting and, and market institute. And uh, they found that over half the population of Taiwan, well, the people they surveyed anyway, mm. It's supposed to represent the population. <laughs> Access mobile food delivery services between January 21st and June 5th. And they think that the the fear about maybe going out in public and the, the risks. Mm-hmm. So now you don't even have to go down to the convenience store anymore. Um, wow. Convenience to a whole new level. <laughs> well, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing masks appear on the fall fashion circuit but you know it could be a bit too late the collections are probably all done maybe next year (laughs) maybe um but you know it may not uh be high fashion but at least when you're wearing a mask in taiwan you'll soon be able to look a lot cooler yeah and it's not the first time so one medical mask uh, manufacturer has been coming out with different look you know we like usually get the green ones or the blue ones and like very rarely the nice lavender ones. I've seen orange ones. Yes, the orange ones That's too. New. Yeah, I wouldn't wear those personally, but <laughs> some people like them. You look like a hazard, a walking hazard. I know. <laughs> um, but now they have um, denim print in three different washes coming out, and they will only be available in one uh, convenience store chain. That's High Life. Oh yeah! So I wonder people... if if the if the uh, food panda people will be delivering those soon. Maybe. Well, <laughs> I don't think so. You have to like physically go there and then line up. So people have been saying online that this is the first thing they're gonna do when they wake up tomorrow or like today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're recording this ahead of time. <laughs> uh, are there any plans to release other things like I don't know, corduroy or gingham or uh, they did plaid, tartan. Oh gosh, corduroy. Maybe that'd be if this that would continues be very uncomfortable into fall. If it was actual corduroy, though. Yeah, no, this is not actual denim. It's a denim print. Okay. But last time they did uh, camouflage. Ooh, camo. Yeah. Yeah, just a, a little reminder there. Probably it's not medically recommended to just use actual denim. No, it <laughs> doesn't. Does not block the virus. It is not, but it will restrict you from breathing normally. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, what patterns would you like to see? I don't know. They've been leopard print too. Ooh. So. What about like a paisley? Oh, paisley would be fine. 
And tie dye. Tartan would be fun. Oh, tie dye. Wow. That'd be groovy. They should have come out with that earlier. Uh, they like, should that's such a summer marketing thing. consultants. Yeah. Are this work, the jobs of Taiwan civil servants maybe a bit, a little bit too light in terms of workload? That's a question some people online have been asking after a video came out of a government employee in Nantou County, that's in central Taiwan, who was uh, seen practicing dance moves during working hours. <laughs> and uh, by the way, this is a uh, township office's civil affairs section. So this is where people come to get paperwork done for oh. whatever reason. So you would think wow. that, I mean, Guoxing Township in Nantou County is not the most populous area of Taiwan. I'll give you that. But mm-hmm. like people said, well, how did this is not an appropriate use of our tax dollars. It's <laughs> We're not funding not. dance. <laughs> I'm um, also just curious, not related, but what kind of a dance was she doing? Like modern or? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe if it was, like, Martha Graham or something, maybe they could give her, like, an art scholarship and send her <laughs> on her way somewhere else. But this sounds like it was probably not the best. Anyway, uh, the viewers were not impressed. Uh, and it's and she's facing uh, the possibility of reprimand and punishment, but it's not just her. The person who filmed it, who I guess was maybe, like, I don't know, filmographer for this mm-hmm. <laughs> scene, is also maybe going to get into trouble Uh so uh, I'm not sure how it found its way to media outlets. The colleague recorded it and it was leaked to township residents. Mm-hmm. Someone told someone who eventually got someone's ear at, the, at a news station. And uh, yes, the township office secretary confirmed that the footage is real and the office will take disciplinary action against both of them because it's negatively affected the township office's image. Maybe this happens a lot. Yeah, does it? I, this is the first incident of dancing. Well, dancing. I've, this is the first time I've heard of it. But there have been reports about people leaving early to pick up their kids, like at 4 p.m., when mm. usually they leave at 5 or 6. And I've seen my neighbors do this. Um, a couple of ladies who live uh, several floors below us, are they are very proud that they're civil servants. They go around telling everybody. Oh, because um, it's not actually easy to get in, I don't think. It's not. You have to pass very rigorous exams and, and whatnot. Well, dancing is not a, a subject in that. No, it is unfortunately Is this not. the talent portion? <laughs> Maybe, so, but not in traditional exams. I don't know. Um, the, the mayor's also gotten involved. They su- oh. He summoned them all to a meeting uh, and admonished them not to let na- things of that nature happen again. That so. sounds like kind of Maybe a very like light. Maybe for their year-end talent show. Because I know that, like, our station are like, okay, we're going to do a skit this year at our, mm. our year-end banquet. Like, that's... That's reasonable, but we're still a while away. Yeah. They also were upset because she put her legs on the table while taking a, a noontime nap during a break. That was during break time, though. Uh-oh. So no one was around. Wow. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's a good question, like, is the workload too light? I don't know. My experience has always been very professional, though. Because mm. I've had to do immigration stuff, and so maybe she was doing it in the back office. Like, I don't know. Where do they have to? Hopefully, not like on the tables. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna try and find this video. Uh, it sounds interesting. <laughs> seeds in space. Taiwan is going to send plant seeds to outer space. 
apparently this is the first time Taiwan has ever done this. It's scheduled to happen in October, and the idea is to observe how space affects their genetic makeup if there's mutations. That's according to the National Space Organization. Um, this is not just Taiwan doing this, though. It's part of a bigger program called the Space Siege Space Seeds for Asian Future Program, which is developed being developed by the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency. Mm -hmm. There's nine countries taking part. Taiwan's one of them. Uh, and that's just this year, so I guess there have been other seed launches. <laughs> um, they were going to be, well, they expect to have 16 kinds of seeds in the payload, and they're going to send it to the International Space Station. So we can't mm -hmm. say we were part of that program, but at least we sent plant seeds there. Um, and at least they know where they're coming from. It's not like those Chinese seeds that show up in people's oh, mailboxes. Um, and they're going to stay in space for four months, these seeds. Um, it's just going to be packets of seed, like no soil. I, I doesn't say whether they're going to have soil or not. I don't think they grow without it. They need nutrients of some kind. Mm. Uh, I guess there's unlimited sunlight when you're just floating around in space. but Maybe even no oxygen. Um so they've mostly, it's interesting, a lot of the participating nations have chosen the seeds of either endemic plants or plants with a symbolic, like, symbolic meaning, that rep mm -hmm. like it's a representation of their country somehow. Mm. Like, uh, some are crop seeds, but I think, you know, um, let's see, this year we're sending, for instance, a butterfly orchid, oh. which is a very Taiwanese thing, and it actually it is. is a species that originates from Lesser Orchid Island. Wow. They're also going to have sunflowers and chili seeds. Chili peppers, neither of which I think of as particularly <laughs> Taiwanese. No, but they're um, very popular in flower markets. There you go. Uh, they have arrived, actually. We've sent our seeds to Japan already, from which they're going to go to the U.S. It's a very complicated international <laughs> route they're taking here on their way to space. They're going to be returned to Taiwan in February next year. So they've gone, that's quite a journey, Japan to the U.S. Mm. to space and back. Um, the, when they come back, they're going to look at uh, whether things like microgravity and space, space radiation have affected their growth. Mm. Um, so it looks like uh, it's uh, complicating this, obviously, is that different countries have different regulations about importing mm -hmm. seeds. Um, but this is fascinating. Apparently, anything it, changes. There was a ton of paperwork involving quarantine and virus uh, tests because you know the regulations. They might have coronavirus. <laughs> I don't know. Oh gosh. Um, so there you go. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to see uh, what's going on when they what they're going to find when they come back. Mm, um, me too. They do have Formosa lambs quarters, which is a traditional crop of Taiwan's indigenous people that has had little research done on it. Oh, okay. Um, That's pretty cool. And uh, Thailand and Australia have also picked the seeds of their national flowers. Uh, and New Zealand is sending the seeds of an endemic plant. Indonesia is sending celery and onion seeds. And Malaysia is sending holy basil. So I would send crop seeds like if we were to one day live in outer space that's good it's good point yeah. yeah seeds in space all right well i think we've talked a bit about uh on this program about people just really wanting to get on airplanes so much so that uh they've already for instance uh gone to songshan airport just down the road from us mm. and uh just like sat on an airplane that didn't leave the gate they just sat there i think um oh, there was an airport tour too there were other activities but that mm. was sort of i think the highlight uh 
Now we're having actual like sightseeing tours. So there's stuff you can see. They're choosing the scenic routes above mm-hmm. Taiwan, and airlines are hoping to make a, a quick buck that way. Uh, again, but you still can't like there's they the... can't leave Taiwan's airspace now. And there's no real destination. Like you, you go back to where you started. But the point is, you can see Taiwan from above, and that's something that that's pretty cool. I mean, you used to have to get in like a helicopter to do or something. Like when they made that movie called Taiwan from above. I'm from a terrified. The the director passed away from a, t- a helicopter. Well, this accident. is in a safe, commercially operated aircraft. Yep, the safest it is. form of travel, they say. So, <laughs> uh, and actually. Chinese Valentine's Day is in just another day or two, and both China Airlines and Starlux, which is a new kid on the block, they've, I don't think they've been around for very long. Is it a um, budget carrier? No, I think there's more high-end. Oh, the really? Idea. Um, oh, I, didn't, I have no idea. Anyway, um, they had one on Father's Day. That was a hit, so they're doing it again. So let me tell you about the itinerary. Uh, the August 22nd flights will leave Taoyuan International Airport. It's like a half-day trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and the in-flight experience is really the point. You're going to fly over Taiwan, um, it says toward neighboring countries, toward being the key. You don't actually get there. <laughs> and you return to your departure point after flying south over the Hongchun Peninsula in mm-hmm. the case of uh, China Airlines. That's Taiwan's southernmost point. It's a very scenic area. I don't know if you'll be able to see like the coral or other oh, famous marine life from above, from mm-hmm. that far up, but you'll at least get to see the beauty of Taiwan's tropical southern coast. Then we're going to take a little... Turn to the east, head over Green Island, and that's a popular uh, getaway these days, although it was once a penal colony. It's a really interesting place because it has the world's uh, one of a f- only a few, I think, uh, like underwater hot springs that you can actually like soak in while on the beach. It's kind of interesting. Oh, too bad they can't get into them. Uh, well, you just have to go by land the next day, I guess. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's not that far away. And Elan County, which is a lovely spot on the northeast coast, fam- fam- favored by surfers. Uh, oh, yes, Ushigang. Yes, very lovely. And then again, it goes towards Ishigaki Island in Japan, towards. Towards. But then it turns back and lands low. back at Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's 108 seats available. I'm not sure how many left as of the time of recording, but uh, tickets are sold in pairs, so you got to have someone to go with you. Aww. And uh, get this they have business class. <laughs> So you could pay $250 for, per person for economy class, but then it's double that, remember, because you have to go in pairs, it looks like. Oh, okay. It's Chinese Valentine's Day. You can't be a single right. in these things. But... It's not, a single and ready to mingle in the air would be interesting. Well, they'll but do you that get, in but then you November. Can't, but then you can't get out of, I mean, you have to fasten your seatbelts, the fashion the seatbelt signs on, so oh, right. not very convenient. Uh, if you want business class, because you're fancy like that, uh, you'll have to pay... <laughs> Uh, close to nine thousand NT dollars per person, which is uh, three hundred dollars. Yeah, it's actually the difference is not that huge. It's not that huge. I would fly business class just to say for this time. Yeah, I flew business class. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go anywhere, but uh, Starlux has two flights. One's noon, the other at dusk, which I think is much more beautiful. Uh, oh, to see they're the going to go now. This is a real intro. I would prefer this one because it's a four-hour trip southward to the Pretas Islands in the South China Sea. And then back to, to Taoyuan. Now, the South China Sea, if you've flown over it at night, uh, like on the way to Southeast Asia, is really beautiful because all the fishing boats down there. Oh, wow. If you look out the window and, and an evening flight down that way, mm-hmm. it's like stars but on the water. It's kind of a cool effect. That sounds amazing. That would actually be worthwhile. Um, yeah. More expensive, almost $1,000 or $30. Or no, three hundred bucks per person for economy class. I'm not sure if this one you have to go in pairs or not. Um, and more than thirteen hundred, uh, thirteen thousand NT dollars. I'm sorry for uh, 
business class. Yeah. Oh. But it includes a voucher for a one night stay at a hotel in Taipei. So you can get to oh, okay. you get a romantic evening too. One for your. There you go. Their flight's nowhere, but it's, an ex- it's the experience it's that counts. Experience. It takes the phrase, the, the journey. journey is right. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Catherine Wei. Don't go anywhere just yet. We've got a whole lot more coming your way in just one moment. and welcome to this week's Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. This week, we're going to be talking about two very important delegations that came to Taiwan. One was that of Secretary of Health and Human Services from the U.S., Alex Azar, and the other was former Japanese Prime Minister Yoshiro Mori. Both delegations were here on official business, and their planes actually landed in Taiwan on the same day. Like many of the hashtag episodes we have these days, a lot of it revolves around the pandemic. And because of the COVID-19 disease going around, a lot of the procedures and operations surrounding state visits have been altered. One of which is the airport at which the delegations arrive. Usually, diplomatic delegations will actually arrive in Taiwan's largest airport, which is Taiwan Taoyuan International Airport. But because of the pandemic, both of these delegations arrived on charter jets and they actually flew into Taipei Songshan International Airport. And this presented a very unique opportunity because Songshan Airport is located in a much more populous area of Taiwan. It's smack in the middle of Taipei City, meaning people could easily identify the charter jets as they landed into Taiwan. Now, a lot of people snapped a lot of pictures of these planes as they landed, and it's been circulating on social media. So I'm going to give you the full story in this week's hashtag. It's all coming up next. Don't go away. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about airplanes. And no, I'm not talking about the 1980 comedy film starring Leslie Nielsen, classic as it may be. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. So far, it's been a very interesting week for Taiwan. Two high-profile delegations arrived in Taiwan on Sunday. One is that of U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar, and the other is former Japanese Prime Minister Yoshiro Mori. Many leaders above a certain level from other countries are hesitant to come to Taiwan. That's because they're afraid of angering China. The world is going through a pandemic right now, so many aspects of state visits have been either changed or streamlined. Taiwan has one major international airport. That's Taiwan Taoyuan International Airport, which is located about 50 kilometers outside of Taipei. Diplomatic delegations usually arrive at that airport, but because of the pandemic, the two delegations arrived here. 
Taipei Songshan International Airport. It's a smaller international airport and generally used for short haul or domestic flights. But it's located smack dab in the middle of the city. Why is that important? Because people in the bustling city of Taipei were able to see the planes from the US and Japan as they landed. On Sunday morning, pictures of the incoming planes flooded social media. It was a rare sight because both delegations arrived on charter jets. Azar flew in on a custom US Air Force Boeing C-40B aircraft, which was painted like Air Force One, the plane the US president flies on. It was a very distinct entrance, one that paved the way for this picture, which makes a statement on the strengthening ties between Taiwan and the US. On the other hand, Yoshiro Mori came in on a charter jet run by Japanese company Universal Entertainment. Not that universal. That company operates only one plane, so it was easy to differentiate from other planes. People captured pictures of both planes landing and described them as historic. Neither of the delegations had to undergo quarantine, but they both had to be tested extensively for COVID before coming to Taiwan. While many things have come to a standstill during this pandemic, it's good to know that diplomacy is still taking off and it's cleared for landing. Now, I do hope you enjoyed this most recent episode of Hashtag Taiwan. As always, if you guys have any questions, comments, or suggestions, go ahead and reach out to us at facebook.com slash Radio Taiwan International or facebook.com slash Taiwan Insider. I run both of those inboxes, and if I see a message from you, I'll be sure to say hi. Anyway, until next week, stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy. I'll talk to you again soon. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. This is Taiwan Explained, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. It's not every day that top-ranking U.S. officials visit Taiwan. In today's Taiwan Explained, we're going to tell you just how rare it is. And to tell us all about it is Catherine Wei. Welcome, Catherine. Hi. So this visit by the U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services, Alex Azar, was a big deal. Tell us why. Azar's visit drew a lot of attention. That's because he's the highest ranking U.S. cabinet official to visit Taiwan since the two countries cut formal ties in 1979. And so by highest ranking, what you're saying is there's a line of succession to the presidency, right? Yes. So if anything happens to the current president, Azar is 12th in line. And I guess something would have to happen to the next 11 people as well, <laughs> right, right? the first 11 people. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, well, tell us what other top um, U.S. officials have visited Taiwan since 1979. So there were six in total, if you count Azar, and three of them visited during President Li Donghui's term. U.S. Trade Representative Carla Anderson Hills visited Taiwan in 1992. Secretary of Transportation Federico Peña visited two years later in 1994. Secretary of Energy Bill Richardson visited in 1998. Since then, all the other presidents have only received one top U.S. official during their time in office. 
Secretary of Transportation Rodney Slater visited when Chen Shui-bian was president in year 2000. EPA Chief Gina McCarthy visited during Ma Ying-jeou's term in 2014. And now, the most recent visitor is Secretary of Health Alex Azar. He probably won't be the last cabinet official to visit Taiwan. That's because of the Taiwan Travel Act, which U.S. President Donald Trump signed into law in 2018. This act encourages high-level visits by U.S. officials to Taiwan and vice versa. So essentially, that's just six officials in the last 41 years. That's, that's right. not that many. But it will be interesting to see how things develop with the Taiwan Travel Act in place. Thanks again, Catherine. And uh, that is our Taiwan Explained for the week. Listen, are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And the person I'm meeting with today is someone totally different from me because she's a total athlete and I'm not. But anyway, first off, she's Joy Chen, and she is actually a special assistant to the chairman of Yajio Group which is a company that specializes in... Passive components. <laughs> Passive components, right. Like I said, she's actually an athlete, and um, she started off uh, um, loving horse riding when she was... When you were at age of nine, right? Yeah. And then um, she was actually, you know, got professional with that and became an equestrian, and almost to the point of uh, competing in the Olympics. Yes. You did make it into the Olympics, almost. No, almost. no, I tried to qualify, but... Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Anyway... And then, um, and then you switched to surfing um, in your 20s. Also got really competitive with that. Um, but then you hurt yourself at a particular uh, competition. So now, though, you haven't given up on it because actually now you're encouraging other young surfers um, in the sport. And that's where you're a social entrepreneur in that. We've all heard Joy now, so hi, Joy. <laughs> hi, Shirley. Right. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, how come you're so sporty? I mean, are your parents sporty? Uh, actually, yes. Uh, both my parents are still very active even now that they're in their 60s. So my, uh, my father has uh, been active, has always been very active throughout his life. He plays squash, he hikes. He he used to ride horses with us as well. Uh -huh. My mother also was has been riding for I guess as long as I have since the start. So even today, like my mother rides every single day, and uh, she's like sixty something. Wow, um, you got into horse riding here in Taiwan? Yes, I did. There aren't that many horse riding facilities. Facilities <laughs> actually, there's um, there they are out there. They're just not. If you don't look for them, you don't you won't know they're around. But actually, it's um, horse riding has uh, become quite popular lately. Yeah. So when I started uh, horse riding, that was when I was nine. So it's almost twenty years ago. It was less popular then, but it was still around. 
Yeah. I only know one over out. Um, it's called Hanover. Hanoi Masa. Yeah, that's that's the one most people know <laughs> because it's in town. It's yeah, in town, yeah, I know. This is amazing. Of all the sports you could choose, you chose horse riding. Why? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess it's uh, kind of yuan fun. It's fate. <laughs> no, it's just kind of happened because um, I had a, I had a friend who was riding when yeah even earlier than us, and she took us riding. And then, yeah, just gradually, my entire family got into it. Even my twin sister and my brother. Uh-huh. So it was kind of just the family sport for most of my time growing up. Oh, that is so interesting. Yeah. I know my family sport was tennis. And that's like, it's a very common place, you know, but yeah. horse riding for a whole family. That's really great. Yeah. So you, you, you fell in love with it to the point where you were like riding every day so that you decided that you can, you're good enough to compete in like major international competitions. So yeah, I was uh, riding every day since the age of nine. So every day after school, I would go ride. I think the first few years, I was kind of just doing it for fun. And then, you know, growing up, everyone's influenced by their parents, right? So yeah. my father is a very competitive person. So he just, I think starting at the age of 12, we would, he would send us to Europe. A Germany specifically to train every summer and winter wow. and compete internationally. Yeah. So that's when my uh, equestrian career kind of started. But for that kind of training to the point where you compete on an international level, will you stay in Europe a long time then for that kind of training? Yeah, so basically would, we, yeah. uh, for I guess for, for most of our, uh, I guess it was middle school and high school, we just stay in Germany the entire summer and winter vacation. So we didn't really have, you know, you know, uh, when our friends were off to, you know, some on their, off to their summer vacations, we would go to tr- Germany to, to train. But I, I, I mean, it was, it was fun for us because I was with my twin sister and my brother was also there. My mom was there. So it was like a family thing. It oh. wasn't like grueling. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It wasn't like a boot camp, but yeah, mm-hmm. we were training most of our time. What about school? I mean, it didn't affect your school. No, no, no. It didn't affect our school. So we were, it's our, my life growing up was like school and horse riding. Yeah. Pretty much that. Wow. And I got really good grades in school also. So you, you did? Yeah. That's amazing. You know, I've heard that actually children should have a balance of school and sports, some kind of sports, because it helps with discipline. And then actually your mind is more clear when you study and you can sit more still and study and stuff. Right? Uh, yeah, I, so? actually, yes. I, I, I'm, uh, I agree with you 100%. So I think I really believe that sports can really, like sports change, can change a person's life in all aspects, right? Yeah. So yeah, it, it just enhances, enhances your life. That's amazing. Is there other sports that you, you also like, maybe secondary to horse riding? I don't know. Um, yeah. Before surfing, though. Before oh, before surfing. surfing uh, no, I was, I was mainly just horse riding. But, <laughs> but I guess I have the athletic gene because yeah. I'm also very good at swimming. I'm very oh. good with water. Oh. So, yeah, oh. I guess that, that explains my transition into surfing, into surfing later on in life. Well, why did you give up horse riding? Are you still, do you still ride occasionally? Now? No, not anymore. No. Okay. No. So, so, so why the switch? So I stopped horse riding when I was 21 after graduating from college. I mean, that was more for practical reasons because I started working in finance. Oh, yeah. And, and I was also in New York, so there was no way to do it. 
And at that point, I also decided to stop because I didn't think that I was going to be a, an athlete for, you know, yeah. down the road. So, yeah, I just decided to stop and continue, then focused on my career instead. Uh, how long were you in New York? I was only in New York for a year. Okay. Yeah. For work? For that work, was. yes. Yeah, for, uh, I was in investment banking. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you had your college education here in Taiwan. No, no, no. I went to school in, at the University of Pennsylvania. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, I studied a business at the Wharton School. Oh, so you were in the States for a period of time. Yes, in oh. total, five years. Five years. Yes. Oh, got it. So you had like four years of college and then you worked uh, for a year and then you came back to Taiwan. Yes. Oh, to take over your dad's business. Uh, I'm not take, sorry, let's not take not Say that because no, that sounds yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Yeah, but but yes, yes. I came back to, I guess you can say to help my father right. with the business. Yeah. Yes. How, what's what's that like working for a family business and working for your dad? Oh, it's very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult, but not the part where I work with my father. It's more the I guess there's a very big cultural difference uh, between what I was used to and what I encountered when I moved back to Taiwan. It's just com everything's different. Yeah. So I'm used to I'm used to more the Western culture, the you know the Western mentality, the Western just just how people behave in the U.S. That's how what I'm used to. And then when I came back to Taiwan, like that's you know the Taiwanese culture, ev everything is more toned down. People are more modest. Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah, it was a big change. And then most of my f the thing is most of my friends were not in Taiwan. Oh. So I also had no, not many people to relate to because our we're in the manufacturing industry, right? The nature of our industry is manufacturing. So I was in Xinzu, the Xiangxia. I was in the countryside in Xinzu. Yes. Which is even more different than what I was used to. Yeah. So it's more out in the suburbs. It's, it's not out in the suburbs, city yes. life. Yeah. And then most people were in the age range of 30s, 40s. So I, I really had no peers at work and like socially. I had no peers. So it was very difficult for me for, for quite quite a while, but but the company is still in Xinzu, right? No, or I mean not? no. Oh, okay. uh, that was a, a subsidiary. Our headquarters is in Xindian. The Yajou Group has a lot of subsidiaries. Okay, so yeah, I was first yeah. in Xinzu, and then now I'm in Xindian. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. What do you think about, uh, you know, this um, passive components? Passive components, yes. Yeah, industry, the sector in Taiwan. Can you talk about this? <laughs> Getting off from... Yeah, it's definitely those. not what I'm <laughs> as, as passionate about. But I mean, Taiwan's uh, economy is heavily dependent on exports. And uh, most of it is coming from the um, electronics industry. Yeah. So, you know, we have TSMC, Foxconn, and all these electronics uh electronics uh companies right so i think this is the fundamental this makes up of the base of taiwan's economy yeah so yeah we are we this is taiwan's uh yeah mm. so is your dad under a lot of pressure <laughs> uh yeah i believe he is but i think that's what he chooses so he, right. he's used to it i mean he started this um company all by himself yeah to start off with yes so that's that's amazing. Yeah, my father is very entrepreneurial. I think he really likes he really I'm sure he really loves what he's doing. Yeah. So the pressure is just a part of it. And working with your dad, I don't know, does he like put pressure on you? Does he does he yell at you? Actually, he doesn't. 
So Good. compared to a lot of my friends who complain about their fathers being very dominant, but actually know. my father isn't like that towards me. But that doesn't mean that I don't have any pressure because growing up, I think uh, I'm used to being held up to a very high standard by my father. Uh-huh. So you know, in equestrian, whether it was in school. Or in equestrian, my father expected very high results and performance. Really, from me. Oh wow! So yeah, I always. So even without my father watching over me, I always have that you know very high standard and expectation of myself. So that's just kind of inside me, yeah. whether or not my father is around. Well, good thing you you've got the sports to balance it all out. You know. Yes, exactly. That's exactly why I'm so so dedicated in the sport. Also, because yeah, it's, yeah, it's part of it's how I balance my life. Yeah, that you can still smile. Yes, yeah, <laughs> talking exactly. about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Did we talk about what your major was in college? My major is、uh, finance. Right, you did say that. That's yeah, business that's kind finance. Of, yeah, yeah, but that's kind of very different from what you're actually doing now for your dad. Or no, it does it, help. It, it's actually the same.、Uh, I、oh. studied well. You know, management in biz- like in business school, it's about management, finance, accounting. That's all. I guess it's. I look at those those as the same category. So Dad sent you to the right school and studied、yes. the right major, yeah, exactly, so、yes. that you could come back and help with this business. Yeah, that's that's exactly his plan. Yes. <laughs> are you the, so? Are you the oldest? I know you have a twin sister, but are you the no, older one? No, I have one, an、or? older brother. You have an older brother. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh,、yeah. I see. And、I、a twin、see. sister. Oh,、so、I see. Three of us. Anyway, so、um, the sports, the surfing part.、Um, you were saying that you really in you know really are, is very comfortable in the water and other kind of stuff. Yes. I I'm afraid of water myself. I'm not a good swimmer.、Um, I'm I don't I wouldn't call myself a swimmer at all. My husband is, and my three kids. I mean, they used to be in school swim team. Oh, okay. But I'm、um, not me. You know, they used to laugh at me. <laughs> That's very common in Taiwan. I come across a lot of people who the mother even even surfers who can't swim. I was very surprised by that at the beginning.、Uh, yeah, what、well, surprised by what part? A lot of surfers, surfers,、yeah. people who surf in the ocean, they can't they can't swim. Uh, what? Wait, I thought you have to know how to swim in order to be a surfer.、Uh, no, not really, because the surfboard itself is buoyant. Yes. So it's like a floating device. Really? So a、it's、lot of people. Is that safe? Uh, not really, but I don't know. Just the mentality of people here is sometimes a, a little bit strange. <laughs> I think so.、Yeah. That that is strange. I mean, I think you should at least know how to swim. You know, I mean, if you were to catch yourself in some dangerous situation, you need to be able to save yourself. Yeah, exactly.、Um, I, yeah, I, I, to- yeah, as、I'm、much a- as the surfboard is a point, but still, you know, I totally agree with you. Uh, yeah, that's really weird. I'm sure you're gonna you change the mentality on on these upcoming young Taiwanese surfers that you're helping with, right? Yeah, you're, yeah, you're changing、yes. that. Yeah, good, good. Talk about. You are being a social entrepreneur and helping these upcoming Taiwanese young surfers. First of all, can I ask how you hurt yourself?、Um, so my injury is a little bit complicated. Is、um, it spine? Your back? No, no, it's my it's my knee. Your knee. So I guess a、uh, long story short, it's overuse. Oh. Yeah, but it, it somehow it just it was it just took a long time to recover. I got injured kind of at the peak of my surfing career. So I was just getting into surf competition. I know, in then, France, right? Yeah, I was in France in particular.、Right. It was a really big competition, so I was really looking forward to that. And then I got injured, a little bit injured before, but it was not so bad. So、mm-hmm. obviously, I was like, 
okay, I'm still going to go to the competition. Uh, and I made it worse during warm up. So I didn't even get to surf the actual competition. Okay. But I was there. It must have been devastating. Yeah, I was, I was really devastated. But that actually wasn't the worst part. Because, you know, it's normal for our athletes to get injured. So I just took it as a, you know, a normal injury. But somehow it, this injury was, took a long time to recover. Ouch. Got to tune in next week to hear more from Joy Chin about her surfing career. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.